Welcome back to the Michael Mars Show. Today is Tuesday, July 26, 2022. This is episode 84. I'm joined by GT Gerald Tucker, former professional boxer. He retired undefeated at 7-0, current trainer for Floyd Mayweather, Clarissa Shields, Adrian Broner, and Tyron Woodley. Part of the 1996 Olympic team, you won a dozen national titles in the junior featherweight division, turned pro in 2000. Um, but just from the from the jump, like how did you get started in the sport of boxing? I was playing baseball, Little League Baseball, maybe like ages 11 through 14. I was pretty good. A um, couple of years, I think I got defensive player of the year. Um, and um, But my grades were slipping. I wasn't really doing well in school. And I grew up like in a real urban, the worst part of my city, basically. And um, so part of my um, attention was in the streets. And um, so my grades were dropping. And uh, my mom kicked me off the baseball team. So... Um, in between baseball and boxing, um, there's a guy named Ricardo Williams Jr. who was a great amateur boxer at the time. He was the greatest uh, in the world. He was like 100 and maybe 20-something wins with only two losses. And um, he won everything he ever entered. He never lost a tournament. And um, he was just a great fighter. And he lived right up the street from me in the hood and in our project. And uh, one day, you know, just being kids, you know, playing around, you know, he had me as company to his house and I walked to the living room and I'm like, wow, he had plaques on the wall, medals everywhere, trophies everywhere, belts hanging up on the wall. And I mean, the whole living room was his accomplishments. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I just got two little baseball trophies about the size of an iPhone. So I was like, man, I need to do what this guy do, man. I want to, I want a room or, you know, I want my whole room to look like this or my mom's living room to look like that. So I started sneaking to the gym with him. You know, since I had extra time, I was kicked off the baseball team. I started sneaking to the gym with him, and um, I got real good real fast. And, um, of course, by getting my butt kicked by him, um, gave me great amateur experience. And um, so I started bringing my grades up so that I could ask my mom uh, if it was okay if I uh, start the sport. So I brought my grades up, and I asked my mom. I said, it's the sport I've been doing, boxing. And uh, my buddy, you know, Little Rick is what we called him. She knew him as Little Ricky. And um, I said, he um, he boxes, and uh, I want to start going to the gym. I've been going to the gym with him, Mom, and uh, is it okay if I continue, if I keep my grades up? She's like, yeah, you can go ahead. And um, within four months of me beginning to box, um, I was ranked number two in the United States. Early 2000s, you were part of the Olympic team with Floyd. You retired in 2001, but you returned to the ring 15 years later in 2016. Um how did you like to bring us through, like, how did you uh, prepare yourself to get back into the sport? And like, what were some challenges you overcame through training uh, during those 15 years to come back? Well, to get back to sport in 2001, I stopped um, the the day before my fight. You know, you weigh in the day before your fight. Um, I was before I was about to get on the scale. Um, my dad had called me in and asked me, was I sitting down? He said, I said, yeah, I'm sitting down. And because I was waiting for him to call my name so I can go weigh in and then go eat, you know, go to sleep and fight. And he's like, um, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I'm sitting down. And he said, um, your brother was killed. So I'm like, oh, my God, what? So um, I was thinking, like, go straight home, you know, be with the family to mourn, you know. And um, so I got to find my dad, and they called my name because they called my name. So I jump up on the scale. I make my weight. And uh, me and Roger have to decide um, if I'm going to fight or not. That was my trainer at the time. Rest in peace to Roger. And um, he was like, what would your – brother wants you to do in this situation would he want you to fight or would you want you to go home like just do whatever your brother wants you to do I, like he would want me to fight and win but I was on um I had not the last guy I fought a couple of weeks prior to this 
I had knocked him out in the first round. I dropped him three times. And um, with the pool counter that Floyd does a lot. And um, so I, I fought the guy. I did. I, knocked, I dropped him three times with the pool counter. And then this, so I was two knockouts in a row, first round knockouts. But I went straight home, like Roger told me to do, uh, you know, to go more and be with the family. And um, I stopped boxing. That was, that was the last day of boxing for me. Um, um, and I, I couldn't even walk into a gym for the next six six years, I believe, went past without me even walking into a boxing gym. Um, because I knew I had so much potential and I didn't, I wasn't ready to get back into the sport. It was a lot of stuff going on, but, um, you know, my brother passing was a, a lot on me and my family. And, um, so the, in, in 2007 is when I went back to Vegas, like, you know what, let me get this a, one more shot, get boxing to try. I'm too good. Got too much talent. And, um, Floyd and Zab Judah, they were just getting ready to, um, gear up for their fight. So they were showing, you know, the every week they were showing a 24-7 episode of them preparing for the fight. And it was getting me hyped up, real, real hyped up. And um I told my um fiance at the time, and I had two kids with her and I raised um two other kids as my own. I said, um, you wanna me, you and the kids move to Vegas? And she's like, what? I like you gonna go move to Vegas and um so I can give boxing a try. And she was like, um, you know, after some thought, she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I booked flights that day and I booked the, you know, the moving stuff. And um, so we can move and ship the cars and everything. And we left, you know, within a matter of weeks so that I can go chase my boxing dreams. But um, when you um, got kids and um, you're not like a, with, with a promotional company or a manager and you're doing everything on your own, it's like kind of hard to get into the sport how you want to or how you were before because before I was signed to Floyd and um, James Prince they were my managers co-managers and um they were going to take me straight to a network we weren't going to sign with any promotion we were going to go straight to HBO that's who was big back then and do a deal straight through them but um so they were taking care of all my bills and I, I didn't have anything to pay but a cell phone bill so but now you know um much older you know uh so I think I was 28 at the time and um, so I had to come up with my own bill money, all that kind of got to take care of my family, you know, provide food and, and roof and all that type of stuff. So it was a little harder to get back. I couldn't just jump straight back into it like I thought. And um, so I kind of like um, got sidetracked and was working more than I was training. And um, so the, 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 the return of boxing didn't happen until Adrian Broner asked me um, if I would come back to boxing and stop, cause I had started training a little bit and he was like, you should, you should stop training and just come back into the sport. And, um, that's when I came back and made those, um, two extra fights onto my record. And I ended up be going, end up going seven and oh with um, three knockouts. And I retired after that for good, but that was 15 years later. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm really sorry to hear about your brother, man. Um, oh, my condolences. You. I appreciate and it. And uh, no doubt you've made him happy with everything you've done in the sport and all the, like, you know, just everything you've overcome. And, um, you know, very sorry to hear about that. Um, so when you were training with those guys and you're training with Adrian Broner, did you kind of have that itch to get back into the sport and to compete? Yeah, I get the itch a lot, like, especially in when I'm in camp with AB, because sometimes he's a little stubborn <laughs> about small things like um, what he shouldn't eat and or what he should eat and um, stuff like that. And um, I give I, – and I'm in shape because um, we work so hard. We run, I run with my fighters. So I get in shape. I start getting smaller. I start feeling like a fighter and um, I want to take it out on him. So, you know, 
Um, the other day, there's a little clip on our um, Instagram that I um, I put his sparring gear on and I jumped in the ring. I was about to whip his ass. So um, every now and then I, I get the itch for sure. But yeah. it usually comes like um, when when the, when we get close to fight time. Because I, I would rather jump in the fight for my fighters. Because I know, you know, when you had all this experience and you're older as I am, you know, I'm one year under Floyd, so I'm, I'll be 44 this year in October. So I got so much experience that I, I really want to get in there and fight the fight for them, you know, because sometimes I see them, the nerves racing or I see them having trouble making weight and sitting in the sun. I'm like, this is nothing. Like, let's sit in the sun for an hour. This is nothing. Let, I want to do it for them. So that's when I get the itch when it gets close to fight time. Yeah. So as a coach for uh, these like top level boxers, um, kind of how do you keep them level headed going to the fight? Like if they do get real nervous the week before or cutting weight, like how do you how do you keep them dialed in? Um, Just letting them know that um, it's easy and um, just pointing fast forward into the goal, you know, and then and the goal is, you know, your hand raised after the fight and then you celebrate and, you know, everybody's happy in the locker room. Just, you know, just keep bringing it up the goal. And um fast forward and pass all the hard stuff because um you once you get through it you know time flies so you know it's just hard for a little moment it feels like forever but it's really not time really flies you know just like right now we were just um seven weeks out and now we're like three and a half you know before fight time so it, it goes just like that and you know it's gonna feel like a week and then it's gonna be fight week so um i just fast forward to the to the end and then i just keep letting them know about the end we don't really talk about the today we just put work as hard as we can in each training session each run and then um you know the days go like this and then so i just talk about the end game it's a lonely sport and it's not just a, a same it might you know sound cliche because so many people say it they heard so many big people say it but it really is and you know it's good to have some you know a workout partner uh, a, a dope ass trainer um somebody that's gonna somebody that that's done it um and that's doing it with you that can uh, and that can make you laugh when when times are serious. But um, when we're serious in the gym, we're serious in the gym. I, I haven't really um, posted like, you know, the serious times, but it's really serious in there, you know, especially around fight time. You know, we get a little quiet. We get get more in our heads and stuff like that. But um, so the stuff you see um, where we having a good time and stuff like that is just like brief moments real quick where I take out the phone and because I don't have my phone at all. My phone stay in my bag. I'm not one of those trainers. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't miss, you know, one second of, of one station that my fight, they could be on a speed bag. I'm not going to miss one second, even though, you know, they don't need me to be there. But it's just um, the professionalism that I, I hold myself up to. So how would you describe uh, to like my, my audience, like listening or watching, how would you describe your coaching style? Uh, like, does it vary depending on the fighter or do you kind of always try to have the same uh, attitude and work regimen? Well, it, it's pretty much the same, but um, you know, sometimes you have to work around a fighter because um, they might not be comfortable. Like I like to work straight through no rest. Um, so let's say the typical training day for a boxer would be like you shadow box three rounds or something like that. Then you um you might spar, say 10 rounds, and you jump out, you hit the bag for uh about five, six rounds, you go jump some rope, hit the speed bag or whatever, do some sit-ups, push-ups, and stretch out. Now, me, I like to do straight through this the way Roger uh trained me and Floyd. And um, 
So by straight through, I mean, you come in, you do, you stretch in, do a couple exercises, loosen up the muscles, then you stretch, um, then you shadow box. And when we, when we doing things, we're going straight through, we're not doing rounds. So we call them stations. So the shadow boxing, you're going to do that for 10 minutes or, you know, more, it depends on, you know, what part of camp you're in. So say beginning of camp, you, you shadow box or middle of camp, you shadow box for 10 minutes no break, you know, no water until you, the 10 minutes is over. Then you get a sip of water. You go straight to the next station, which may be, say, um, the mitts. You're on the mitts for, say, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes straight. You know, you're not not taking no breaks at all. And you go straight to the, you get a sip of water, go straight to the bag, 15, 20 minutes. Then you go straight to the rope, 15, 20 minutes. You go to speed bag, doubling bag. So um, some fighters, um, you have to build their conditioning up to be able to do something because that's crazy training and um is is hard on the mental and the spiritual to to do something that you're not used to like that because you're so used to working three minutes and then get you know a whole minute off for a whole 30 seconds to chill but you know with, with me we're going shadow boxing sip of water get there you know you, you mm-hmm. don't even get it's not no 30 seconds you get maybe 10 it's 10 10 count booms time to go same thing so you're not resting all this non-stop work but you know when we do it um successfully um you can box for 20 rounds straight in your last your 12th round can look just like your first round but um yeah so my trainer style besides the way we work um yeah i i teach to the hit and not get hit literally like i'm i'm more defensive than offensive but um we're definitely going to be offensive because uh you know the way we work we throwing so many punches around and we're going straight through no rest so um with the work you're getting um you getting the punch output you're getting the offensive work but the defense is 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 um my number one priority in the sport so i'm teaching i want my fighters to to always be defensive minded even when they're got somebody hurt and they about to knock them out still remember that they can throw a punch so always be you know cautious um of what can come you know from your Mm -hmm. opponent right left they got two hands so always be ready for those two hands to come but um yeah that's 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 what i um i lean towards a more defense than offense Mm -hmm. so through the different phases based on the the longevity of the fighter because i really care about my fighters i'm one of those Mm -hmm coaches that care about their, I'm not like one of those, um, like I'm breeding pit bulls and I'm just throwing them out there. I don't care if they get bit up and they die and I'll move on to the next fighter. No, I, I really care. My fighters are like family. If something happens to them, I'm going to be hurt. Um, and I, their mothers, their wives, their husbands, whoever, their whole family, they can trust me with their fight. They, they can know that um, he's going to make the right decisions in camp and fight about their child, husband, wife, whatever, whoever the, the fighter is to them, they they can know in their heart that I, their best interest is in, in my hand. Mm. And I think that shows on your on your social media, the way you're talking about them now and ultimately like in the results in the ring, like the, the, the connection that you build with them and like how how important it is, um, you know, how important they are to you, like a family family relationship. So mm. what would you say um, for a fight camp, like the different phases that you go through? Do you set checkpoints for your athletes before ramping it up? Or uh, like, do you have baseline numbers that you want to see? Yeah, for sure. And um, it's it's nothing that I can like um, pinpoint to you right now. But um, I watch everything. I keep everything in mind. I mean, injuries, soreness, um, things being tight, um, uh, stuff that happens outside the ring. Um, how much time we got left? Um, uh, what um, what the fighter needs to sacrifice? I keep everything in mind, and I 
put that into the um, whole equation to getting the best out of them each step of the way through camp, you know, from the beginning before camp, um, first week in the mid middle of the camp, all the way to the end. I'm, um, uh, I'm pushing them, you know, hard enough to where, you know, they're not going to get injured, but they're going to be as, they're going to be able to perform as, as best as they could um, come fight night if they listen, you know, if they do everything that's told. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know how they want to look in the ring, you know, I, I fought, you know, so I know how it goes and you want to look your best. And in order to be your best, you got to work hard. You got to work so hard. You got to push yourself past every limit you thought you had and then, you know, push it past that, you know, before you get to injury. But um, yeah, I keep all that stuff in mind. And um, but there's nothing I could tell you, like um, you know, specifically that um, that that I do. But um, yeah, uh, I keep everything in mind, and I and I get certain um, points that I need them to be at, like as far as mileage on the runs and minutes on the stations and rounds if they do rounds. And um, yeah, for sure. And you started out boxing in the Midwest and uh, you grew up with Floyd in the early 90s boxing together. Um, uh, I guess, like, did you always uh, think or always believe that he would be one of the best boxers of all time, like through his training regimen and everything like that? And, you know, being with him all those years, did you did you feel that he was going to be special? And the amateurs, I met him in 95. It just so happened to go into this tournament. And um, I was sitting next to his girlfriend, not knowing. And he got out of the ring and came and sat down. And um, that's where we met. We introduced each other, uh, introduced ourselves to each other. And um, from that fight, I knew he was he was going to be special. I didn't know how special because I was just, uh, I was only boxing a, a year, maybe less than a year. So I didn't really know what I was looking at exactly you know, as I do now, but, um, I could tell that he was very special. He was going to, he was definitely one of the best fighters, if not the best fighter at that particular tournament. And, um, but, um, in 96, we were on Olympic team together. Um, I started to see just how special he was because now you're all elite fighters, you know, that was a regional tournament that we were at. So that's whoever is the best in their city and, um, their state. Then they go to see who's the best in the region. So, you know, you can be decent or you could be great. Just so happen to be great, you know, in a regional tournament and you head to the nationals and win and you're like, Oh, you're the elite. So he won the nationals plenty of times. And I ended up being on the Olympic team. So I was like, and I'm watching all the Olympians spar. I'm, I was an alternate. So I'm watching all the Olympians train and fight and spar. And I'm like, yeah, Floyd is special, but Floyd, used to let everybody know just how special he was on the Olympic team. He used to say um, how much money he was going to have, um, what fighters he was going to fight and beat. He used to always um, say that he was going to fight and beat Oscar De La Hoya. This is 96 that he said that and he ended up fighting him 11 years later. And what um, the big, one of the biggest um, pay-per-view events ever in the history of the sport. So he, um, he, he knew what he was going to do in life and um, he, he actually did it. But, um, yeah, that's when I knew he was special in, um, in 96. So uh, rest in peace to the great uh, Roger Mayweather. That was Floyd's trainer throughout uh, the majority of his career. How did you uh, become connected with Floyd to be his head trainer moving forward with his exhibitions and potential comeback to professional boxing? 
Well, um, what happened was uh, when I started back training, um, AB was my first fighter um, in um, 2021, and I got him his first um, win. Oh, I, I assisted Coach Mike Stafford and gave him his first win in five years. Um, and shortly after is when I received a, a FaceTime call from um, Floyd and uh, one of his best friends, uh, Sean Tyler, who is a, a best friend of me too, like a younger brother to me and Floyd. And um, it was a three-way call on FaceTime, and um, they were, Floyd asked me where I was, and um, I was like, I'm in Miami, and uh, I kind of felt like um, the conversation were going to lead to, you know, some, something about boxing and training, and um, that's what the conversation led to, and um, I was like, I'm ready to go, shoot, this is, you know, I'm down, you know, he's yeah. like a big brother to me, I, I lived with him from when I turned pro in 2000 to maybe almost 2002, before my um, brother passed, and I went back home, um, you know, for the funeral and stuff, and stopped boxing. So I was always like his younger brother that he never had. He used to tell me and uh, I always looked up to him as a big brother. You know, once I moved in and, and he showed me so much love and, you know, I could drive any car and I have my own room and a house, big old mansion. And so, you know, we were brothers and I was like, oh, I get my brother back, you know, my big brother back. So uh, it was perfect timing. And um, that's exactly how I started. He hasn't touched a drug his whole life, hasn't sipped a, a drip of alcohol his entire life. And um, that's hard to do with all the, the, the pressure that the world, society, um, your peers, um, you know, place on you to do drugs and alcohol or and or. And um, so, you know, for me, you know, I ended up um, starting to drink and I, and I dabbled and dabbled in some stuff, you know, that I shouldn't have when I was younger. And to, to know how hard it is to stop doing that stuff or to, to not start doing it, it, it shows me just how strong um, Floyd was with the, the sacrifice. And it, it's so hard to, to say no. And, you know, there's, there's people in the world that never touch anything just like Floyd, but there's very few. I think there, there's way more people that, you know, uh, experiment or that, that dive right in and can't get out of it. So um, I think that's the number one thing that I give to Floyd over um, anybody, not just in boxing, but in any sport and in any career. His, his, his willingness to sacrifice the best stuff so that he can reach his goals. And there's been a lot of headlines the last couple of weeks, the last couple of days of Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, the rematch. Uh, I saw Floyd offered him $150 million to fight. Uh, do you think we'll see that fight in, in the next year or two? Yeah, for sure. I think we'll see it before, um, i say before seven months. i say it's, yeah, I think it'd be yeah, shorter than that, a year. That's going to be massive. That'd be huge again. Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, when they fought back in 2017, Floyd stopped him in the 10th round. Um, do you think he gets the, the knockout even earlier if they run it back? It all depends on how Floyd um, want to do it. You know, he let Logan survive. You know, he, he didn't want to kill him. Uh, he let Don Moore survive. You know, um, you know, sometimes he... he he can do what he wants. He's so good that he can do what he wants. He can um, he can have fun with a guy. He can get serious and get him out of there, you know, depending on his mood. Uh, um, but um, yeah, I think he'll I think he'll get him out of there sooner and move on to something something bigger. Mm. Do you kind of know uh, like when he was fighting uh, Logan, like walking out, uh, warming up in the back, that he was gonna kind of toy with Logan and prolong the fight, or did you guys plan to get that early stoppage? Um, we didn't plan on anything. Of course, me as a trainer, I love for 
for the fighters to go in there and get it over with because the less time I'm in the court, the less stressed I am, you know, mm-hmm. we can get, get back to the sparkling grape soda, you know, in the locker room and shake it up and spray it everywhere. But, um, yeah, so I, I always ask, and I don't care who's the opponent, he could be fighting um, his cousin, and, you know, I want to knock out. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just me. I just, I'm, that's, I'm just that coach. I'm that trainer. But um, because we work so hard, we put so much work in the gym and, you know, and in the roads and in the mountains and stuff so that uh, we're in shape to do it, you know, to whoever get in the ring, you know, with us. But, um, yeah, no, there was no um, plan of a stoppage or anything like that. It was just to go out there and have fun uh, and entertain the, um, you know, the people in attendance and the millions watching around the world. And August 20th, we got Adrian Broner's big comeback. You guys have been working hard. You said you're about three, three and a half weeks out from fight day. Uh, what can everyone expect to see uh, in the ring from AB on August 20th? AB is saying, you know, I always say, I never do a prediction, but I always say my, that my fighters are going to have a, um, a beautiful performance. But um, Adrian is saying that he's going to get them out of there. So um, I would say, listen to AB. If he's saying he's going to get him out of there, he's going to get him out of there. You know, that's not something that he says regularly, you know. And, um, you know, he's ready to make a big splash again. You know, he just come back and got out of his losing streak uh, with a win. He's on the winning side. And um, so now I think he's ready to step it up and um, start getting folks out of there. He said the cam man is coming back, you know. And um, he didn't say that last time, but he said it. He's saying it this time. So um, I think he's uh, got a chip on his shoulder. So is your guys' plan to run through this opponent on August 20th and then uh, try to maybe fight again as soon as possible? Or, um, like, what are you thinking? Um, no plan. Of course, you know, you you, um, you take the, the first test at hand and you don't, you don't want to look past or, you know, pre-plan anything past that. But, um, yeah, I, I would like for him to just get the win, get his hand raised and, um, you know, no injuries, come out healthy and um, – you know, take a couple days off and then, you know, stay close to me because I'll be in camp with Clarissa finishing up her camp to go to a UK and um, have her biggest victory, you know, they say over in uh, in London. So I want him to, um, you know, stay in camp with me, stay real close to me, uh, go over to London with me, watch the fights with me, you know, kind of because Floyd starts um, camp as well. I think we'll all be in camp in Miami in um, maybe a week or two. And, um, you know, me, Floyd, A.B., Clarissa, Coach Mike, Coach John David Jackson, um, you know, all together in a big old camp. And um, just I just want him to stay around boxing. I don't really want him to drift off into the streets and get distracted again, mm-hmm. you know, because it's easy. You know, I've been there myself and I know how easy it is. So I, I want him to just stay close to me so that I can um, keep a close eye on them, you know, because we got good energy together. We vibe well and uh, we'll have fun and uh, we'll get the job done. And he'll be there to support Clarissa and her win. And then Floyd and he is in, the, in Japan. And I, I believe he's fighting in September. Um, we haven't talked about it in the, within the last couple of days, but um, so, you know, and those exhibitions are kind of iffy, you know, with everything that's going on in the world. But um, yeah, that's what I would like for AB after this fight. So as a trainer, uh, would you prefer to have your athletes in separate camps or do you like it when everyone's together? Like how you said, everyone's going to be gelling at the same time. Would you prefer that uh, more often than not? Um, it's really only um, going to be combined because of, you know, conflicting dates or dates are close to each other. So we got August 20, September 10th, and then maybe middle of September, maybe towards the end. So, you know, those guys got to prepare 
around the same time. So that's why it's um, going to be combined. But I would rather them be separate to where, because I only like training one fighter at a time. And that's not, that's before, you know, I started getting big name fighters. I, I never did it like, um, had a gym session where a lot of trainers do this. They have like um, 20, sometimes 20 fighters and they're all in the gym at five o'clock to seven o'clock. Now, how are you going to dedicate um, personal time to 20 guys in two hours? That's like, mm. you know, do the math, you know, is you only getting a few minutes with each fighter. So uh, I like to be, like I said, I don't like to miss one second of, of one heavy bag, speed bag, jump rope, sit-ups. I like to be right there, you know, to push you if, if you if you need pushing or to calm you down if you're going too hard or whatever. So, um, you know, the more stuff going on at the same time is like, is, is more chaotic to me instead of relaxed and like focused. So I would rather it be separate, but, um, you know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And like in this situation we have right now with three, three of my fighters, um, fighting, you know, uh, within a month of each other. So. Mm. Who are some, uh, some guys that you see in the gym or females that are kind of making their way up the, up the ranks that you kind of want to spotlight Do you think in the next couple like years to decade that they will be the face of boxing. If there's anyone you can think of. Um, there's guys in the sport, but not guys that I like work with, or I'm, I'm just like right now, my hands are full with the four I got, mm-hmm. but, um, there's, um, there's guys in the sport like, uh, Shakur Stevenson, um, cool boy, Steph, Fulton, um, you got, um, what do you think about Tank Davis? I love watching oh, Tank Davis. That's family. Tank is, uh, he's, he's already like the face of boxing. If you want to be honest, you know, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll get more casual fans soon, but anybody that really watches boxing has to be a Tank fan, you know, unless they favor somebody else that they see in the same weight class, but, um, you almost have to be a Tank fan. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I, he's one of the most humble fighters in the sport right now. He's one of the most like hardworking and he delivers shows every time. I feel like he doesn't, you know, he's not going for the decision. He's going for the knockout every time he fights. And he's from the DMV. Like, that's where I'm from as well. So supporting oh, yeah. uh, supporting him. Uh, shout what, out to DMV. Yeah, shout out to DMV. Uh, what do you think about him and Garcia? Do you think um, uh, he gets a knockout there? Uh, great fight. Um, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Ryan and Tank. Um, uh, that that'll be a great fight. Uh, I, I wouldn't predict anything, but um, that'll be a, a great a great fight for the sport of boxing and for their careers, their legacies. And um, uh, I, I see all those guys. I don't see all those guys remaining undefeated. You know, the Devin Haney's, the Coors, the Tios, the Lomas, everybody around that weight class. The anywhere from one thirty to one forty. Um, let's say 130, 135. I don't see those guys retiring undefeated. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing, you know, because they have such great competitors, fellow competitors right there in the vicinity of their weight division. So, um, I, I see them all losing. And, um, as, like I said, it's not a bad thing, but that, that's a great thing for yeah. the sport, for the fans, especially, and for their legacies. You know, they might not, uh, agree with that now, but, um, at the end, I'd be like, yeah, I'm glad I was, you know, in that around those divisions at that particular time in the history of the sport. Yeah, I feel like they're all so skilled that they can beat any one of them any given Saturday. Exactly. It all depends on the A game and, you know, whose defense is tighter and whose jab is faster. It, yeah. You know, is, is, that, is that much talent, like you say, around those divisions right now? In boxing, it's just – I feel like there's, like, that resurgence the last couple of years. I feel like there's a lot more, like, big-name – 
fighters that are younger as well. Like, I mean, a lot of these guys that we're talking about now are like 23 to like 27. So the, the sport is looking bright, but I do want to ask you, uh, what is your opinion on, um, you know, this like quote unquote celebrity boxing between like YouTubers or Jake Paul, Logan Paul, do you think that uh, benefits the sport? Cause it's bringing more eyes or uh, do you want to see them take that jump up in competition? I think is great for the sport. Um, is more people um, watching the sport is more people um, giving the sport a chance um, that uh, normally wouldn't, you know, um, they're like glued and like um, their favorite, favorite sports or something else. And they never um, would have thought about watching boxing. So um, I think it's great. Um, just for an example, um, you know, I had the um, privilege of, uh, training Tyron Willis, my brother now, my fighter uh, forever, um, and versus Jake Paul twice. And, um, you know, being at the fights, you know, typically boxing fights, um, you know, when you're at the venues, I don't care who's fighting. It could be a Floyd fight. It could be a smaller fight. Um, when the first fights first, maybe if there's 10 fights on the card, um, Usually everybody gets there like the last two fights. You know, usually you see empty seats until there's maybe two or three fights left. But when the Tyron fought Jake Paul both times, people came out and were at the very first fight. The the, seats, the stadium was packed from first fight to last fight. And, you know, that's that's rare. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you usually see empty seats. Sometimes you see the, the empty stadium, you know, and there's like two people watching the first fight. But to see 20,000 people sitting down for a, um, a guy that um, is 1-0 or he's making his debut, that, that's special. And that's only because we're bringing these new people into the sport that um, is their first time. You know, they're, they're having their first experiences with the sport and they're loving it. And then they're, you know, buying beer and popcorn and t-shirts and hats and they're having fun. They're going crazy. Like, Oh my God, I would have, I would have been did this, you know, if, if it wasn't for Jake or Logan or whoever the fighter mm -hmm. is. But um, I think it's great for the sport, man. And uh, I'm pretty sure the promoters think the same because in those situations, you know, um, you're, you're, you know, you make so much money off of tickets, but you're making so much more money off of popcorn, pretzels, the concessions, popcorn, everything, t-shirts, beers, you know, because people are there all that time, you know, because fights usually go from, you know, sometimes 3, 3 p.m. to, you know, 10 p.m. So seven hours of beers and popcorns and t-shirts. So I'm pretty sure um, the promoters are loving it as well. So how did you uh, get connected with Tyron Woodley to be his head coach? Uh, was that something Floyd set up or how did that come about? Uh, it was um, after Floyd's fight, um, the Logan fight. We fought in Miami and um, I live in Miami. So, you know, it, I didn't have to fly home or anything like that. I just had to drive home and then like, woo, you know, like. That's we nice. That's and, sweet. Uh, right. And then like, um, you know, I could have went on vacation anywhere in the world. And uh, I just so happened to stay home and, and you know, chill. And uh, I got a phone call. If I was anywhere on vacation, it wouldn't happen. But I got a phone call. Floyd said, uh, where are you at? I said, I'm in Miami. He said, okay, come to the gym. He gave me the address. I came to the gym. And um, he was there with Tyron. And, um, you know, we were checking, watching him hit the bag. And um, we, I put my mitts on. And uh, we were, you know, critiquing some stuff. And um, I was like, um, yeah, we could – Tyron is good. You know, he has a, a, a great solid um, foundation in boxing and um, we can, me and Floyd can make them better. And um, so the, the vibes were so good. His mom was there. Mama Willie, shout out to them. 
that's like family now. Um, his sisters were there, a few of his sisters, he had a lot of them. And um, shout out to them as well. And um, the whole vibe was family oriented and that's what I'm all about. You know, if I, if, if I feel uh, like um, welcoming or, you know, people are approachable, um, I'm willing to be all in. And um, after that day, we started training. We trained one more time, I think with Floyd and then um, uh, Tyron pulled me in like, yeah, I want this guy to be my trainer. And Tyrone's he was one of the best UFC champions to ever, uh, you know, be a part of the sport. Uh, was it kind of hard? You said he had a good foundation, but was it kind of hard to, uh, you know, sharpen some of his boxing skills or did he was was he just like already, uh, you know, kind of what you were looking for? Um, it wasn't horror. I, um, like I say, I'm one of those guys. I love a challenge. I don't believe in anything being impossible. I, I honestly believe I can still take Tyrone and make him a become a world champion in the sport of boxing in um, a short amount of time, it, it, you know, um, after his next fights and getting going. But um, no, it wasn't hard at all. Um, and what surprised me about Tyron is that he had, he have, I ain't gonna say Floyd like defense, but he has great defense, man. And um, it's hard for guys to um, land shots on him. And um, he's a, a counter puncher and he, he, it was so much that uh, I was impressed by I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be a breeze for me, even though I like challenges, but we're going to um, tighten them up on a lot of things. We're going to, um, you know, he had, a, you know, he knew everything, but we just had to tweak little things, me and Floyd and uh, you know, to get him up to speed, to be ready for, you know, a huge stage like that, that he was on, you know, fighting eight rounds, his first fight, you know, most guys go out and fight four rounds. Most guys amateur and they fight three rounds, but, he jumped straight into an eight-round fight in which he was in, um, like, you know, 15-round shape for, you know, that's hard to do for anybody. And um, so it, it wasn't much um, – it wasn't too much of a challenge to um, get him to where we had him mm. at all. So do you want to uh, – does he have a, another fight lined up that you guys are looking at uh, to come back? Not right away, but he wants to do something – two things this year. And I can't say – I got to let him say it, but oh, – yeah. um, some special stuff he wants to do this year, um, starting with a boxing fight. Mm. I look forward to that, man. And uh, thank you very much for your time. But the last question that I have for you, and I always ask my guests at the end of the show, uh, what's one piece of advice that you would just give to everyone watching or listening? And it could be any any facet of advice. Uh, I would like to say that people should try to look at their life as if it's a movie. And um, you're in the scene right now. And there's a way that you can make or create your next scenes to be what you want them to be. But there's work you have to put in and there's things that you might have to sacrifice or let go of in order for that next scene to be how you want it to be. So um, I always talk to my fighters like this and Tyron and tell you best, like, man, G, I love it when he talks that movie stuff because, um, you know, you're a star in your own movie but you're also producer, director. So create your movie and make it something that you will want to see, you know, when you're 90 years old and you can like push play on the, on the DVD and you're like, oh man, I love, I love every part of this from this point where I started to create my own movie. Mm, man, I love that. I mean, that's like, that is like, inspiring. I remember hearing Tyron say that in the build up to uh, the Jake Paul fights that, you know, you're the producer, director and everything like that. And um, man, I really appreciate your time, GT. Everyone scroll down below. Uh, check out GT on Instagram at GT underscore the underscore great underscore. I'll have it linked below. And uh, that's your that's your brand, too, with your uh, the logo on your hat. Right. Yeah, I'm sponsored by these guys. Yep. Nice. Well, uh, is there a website people can buy some merch at or? 
Um, not yet. Out. Not yet. They um they they're gonna let me um announce it as soon as they're ready to um kick it full gear. Okay. Hey, you're gonna have to let me know when that happens, and um you know. Sure. I'll try to plug it as best as I can for you. Uh, thank you very much for your time, GT. It was a pleasure uh, having you on. Thank you, Mike, for considering me. Uh, um, anytime you want to do this, we can do it. We can do it every week if you want. Just awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, good luck on every, every uh, you know, fight that you're going to be training going forward with AB, with Floyd's comeback, Carissa. I really can't wait to keep up and, uh, you know, watch you guys keep raising the bar every time. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for the support. Of course. All right, guys. Uh, today was Tuesday, July 26, 2022, episode 84 of The Michael Mar Show. I was joined by GT, Gerald Tucker, former professional undefeated boxer and current trainer for Floyd Mayweather, Carissa Shields, Adrian Broner, and Tyron Woodley. I'm your host of the show, Michael Marr, and I'll see everyone next week.